Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that brings you inside NRG Stadium. I'm Mark Vandermeer here on Texans All Access, and we have the General John McClain with us tonight and also John Harris joining us a little bit later. And the big news today about NFL owners meeting and approving of the extension of the collective bargaining agreement. Now, that's one side of things. The players still have to approve this, so that's the big part of it. Actually, maybe this is the big part of it, and the players have already been well informed as to what this is all about but it's very exciting stuff 17 games seven playoff teams per conference among the highlights so general here we are the cba it's coming around the bend sorry i'm in a johnny cash frame of mind because i've been watching that ken burns country music documentary on pbs on on demand stuff anyway how are you doing i'm glad you weren't trying to be one of those guys on there who was yodeling back in the 40s oh yeah i, I don't do that i don't yodel but uh, I can fake Johnny Cash for about three seconds, and then well, let's it's hear over. it. We got three no, seconds. No, because uh, Joaquin Phoenix did it in the movie, yeah. and he actually did a. He didn't imitate Won Johnny Academy Cash. Award. I mean, he did a good job, and I. Uh, yeah, he's a good actor. He did a nice job. Anyway, so it's coming around the bend, and here we go. Seventeen games, and another playoff team per conference. And we've been talking about this for a few years, but now that it is really here. It's going to be here officially soon enough. What are your thoughts? I am so tired of hearing all this whining by media people and some players about having to play an extra game. The NFL used to play 12 games. They went to 14. They went from 14 to 16. Somehow, the players survived. Somehow. The game grew and became the most popular sport in the country. And now you would think they've asked them to, you know, play with one arm tied behind their back. I hear these national media people, oh, my God, how are they going to play an extra game? Players play for two reasons. They play to win and they play for to get paid. And the fact is, if they worried about the health issues, they wouldn't be playing football. You know, nothing good comes out of playing football for your health. And in this deal that's <laughs> being proposed by the owners, if indeed they agree to the 17th game, and they will, is that would mean over the life of the deal, 10 years, $5 billion more to the players. Now, that's a lot of players, and that's you divide it up by years. I don't know how much it comes out to or where it would go. But every time they've gone up in games, the players have made more money, and that's why I know they're going to do it. Key is, do we have two buys? we guessing we will. Do they... Um, play that 17th game at neutral sites, which they want to do, which I think would create a lot of interest. Play in Toronto, Vancouver, China, play another in, in Germany, play another game in Mexico City where 95,000 show up. The NFL's not going to go somewhere if they don't know that game's going to be sold out in a record amount of time. That's why there's been NFL International for decades. At the Super Bowl, they bring in all this international media to cover it. And they treat those media people like royalty, things that we don't do. Uh, maybe they did in the old days, but they treat them like royalty, and then they go back all over the world and write and broadcast glorious things about the NFL. And I think this 17th game is going to be tremendous. Anything that gets rid of preseason games, and uh, I'm, I'm all for it, and I can't wait to see it implemented. The only thing that hurts the teams in the last year of a CBA, you get to use the franchise and transition tag. If indeed they tore up the last year and started the 
the new one immediately, you wouldn't get to use the franchise in the transition. It'd be like every other year, either or, but a small price to pay. Yeah, and there are ways around everything, really, as the union will have to vote on this sort of thing. I kind of like the pro football talk take on, hey, the owners got together in a big hurry today, but the players don't really have the private jet access, so it takes them a little bit longer to get together. The they player bring, representatives. They don't bring, they bring in player reps, 32. Mm-hmm. I know, not everyone. they have their executive board, and most of the rank and file, uh, whatever my union leader yeah. says. right. And they have to sign off on it, but it's only like 51%, something Mm -hmm. like that. And once it gets to the executive board after the player reps have signed off, it's a done deal. They're really close to an extension. And remember when Roger Goodell signed that contract that everybody goes, oh, my God, he's being paid 40-something million a year. No. A lot, most of that was in bonus. And the biggest bonus he gets is if they did not lose games in a strike, and we're unable to get this deal done. Obviously, they're going to get it done, and he's going to get a monster bonus. Well, I think not only not losing games, but not losing any time, not having any kind of work stoppage at all. Because in 2011, and I was explaining this to my 14-year-old son, in 2011, kid, you were too young to remember this, but there was a big work stoppage, and you didn't lose games. You only lost a Hall of Fame game. But it was a real huge story because the players were locked out of the building, and I was explaining what that meant uh, in a labor situation, there was a draft. Watt came in, got his playbook, but went right back out the door and eventually met up with the Berry kids after their tragic family accident and all of that. But we didn't see anybody until late July, and that was a fun free agency blitz right after they settled and came up with a new agreement. Tell Vanderkid to watch the replacements. If he's keeping up a oh, lockout yeah. 2011, let him learn about the strike and scab football in 1987. Yeah. Scab football. Look at you, a union man, saying that. It's replacement football, John. They used to tell us that because I covered it. Mm-hmm. And it were, and you talk about they needed a union for the scabs because they put them through three-a-day practices. To get them ready. And at the old Oilers facility, all the veterans would throw eggs and beer and rock at their, rocks at their buses as they'd pull up. And then they'd go off to the side oh. and stand on railroad tracks and just verbally abuse those guys out there sweating three times a day. It was wild and crazy. I and get I hope it. it never goes to that again. I know, me too. But I get it from the players' perspective. You don't want to see that because they're taking your spots and they're going to broadcast and put these games on. And they did. And it was such a unique time in NFL history that so many people don't remember because it was that long ago, 1987. But I remember it well. And I remember broadcasters who were color commentators, former players, coaches, speaking out against it as they were doing their jobs, broadcasting the games. Poor Kurt Gowdy was the radio announcer for the Patriots that year. Very late in his career, he got that gig for a very brief amount of time. I think that was the only season he did it. And Kurt Gowdy, who comes in at that stage of his life and now has to learn all the replacement players' names. Now, fortunately for him, nobody knew these guys anyway, so none of it really mattered. But the players harassing the replacement players who are just trying to live out their dream of you put on an NFL uniform and just go out there and play some ball. I mean, what, what a joy for them. But, John, you remember that time? I just want to go yeah, down I here. I remember one that time. You know who the best best quarterback in the league was? Who was that? Keanu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fictionally, he was. Well, numerous guys crossed the picket line. Doug Flutie was one of them in New England, and he got a lot of harassment Bunch for of that. Bunch Cowboys. 
A lot of people, I talked to Jim Bowman, who was a safety for the Patriots at the time. He did color commentary for me when I was the voice of UMass. And he said, I said, how was it with Flutie when he was quarterbacking? Because he played there for five years. He said, most guys never forgave him for crossing the picket line. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's incredible stuff right there. And numerous guys did. They started to come in as they felt like, eh, this isn't going to work out for the Eagles. It was ugly. Mm-hmm. And for the players that got to stay and play, uh, when the when the strike was over, uh, they weren't accepted. Yeah, and they just they they dressed alone, they ate alone. Right, and those Ooh. veterans when you, and and they kind of ostracized the uh, guys who crossed the picket line, but not like they did with the scab players who were kept. What about the playoff situation here? As you'll have fourteen teams instead of twelve, you have one per each conference extra playoff team. Now, you only have one bye per conference. It's going to be interesting. In the AFC, for instance, the matchups would have been Pittsburgh at Kansas City, and that would have been one of the opening weekend matchups. Kansas City would not have had a bye. In the NFC, it would have been the Rams at Green Bay. I think that would have been pretty interesting to see for everybody as you have triple headers on Saturday and Sunday of Wild Card Weekend. What's wrong with that? More football. Every time the NFL has gone to more playoff teams, so many people have whined and cried because it's watered down the product. And then when you add a team, that puts a bunch more cities, fan bases, excited at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then it quickly catches on and nobody cares. But all these, all these guys, that all they do is complain, and women, that complain in the media about change is ridiculous. The world is all about change. Going to a 17th game and adding another team in the playoffs will be tremendous. Well, and more money again. You know, not only the 17th week and a double buy situation, possibly whatever is worked out there, but then you have another playoff game. What is that worth to a network to have one of those windows where you're just getting colossal numbers in January? That's huge. They want to get this deal done before the new network TV deal comes down. Right. They all make like $225 million each Per, per each before the season on TV. And then that's streaming rights. This will be the first time that streaming rights will have multiple teams competing. And, you know, if you end up with, like, um, a lot of the, say, Google, Yahoo, um, all those web, all those companies, and Jeff Bezos, if he's interested, he's going to yeah. get it. And there's no telling how much got, money. He's got the money. He's got the money. The other day I saw he's worth $90 billion. And then uh, and DirecTV's, <laughs> con- their deal is about to come up in another year. Uh-huh. The NFL is a money-making machine. And I'm going to guess, since Bezos is a big sports fan, that he might indeed want to get Amazon, get the uh, streaming rights. You know, Bill Gates never cared. So Bill Gates, his, his partner, uh, Paul Allen, was. Right. But if Bill Gates, I always wondered, those two guys grew up best friends. One didn't know what a football or baseball was, and the other one was fanatic about sports. When they were young and everybody was playing sports, what I guess Bill Gates just fiddled with his computer and made yeah. billions and billions. That's right, he did. And look how it worked out for him very well. If you see that movie with Anthony Michael Hall, and it's about him, it's about Gates and Jobs together as young men in the Valley. You know, I didn't see that. Putting stuff together in their garage and the, the first operating system they ever had, and I think they got it from Xerox or something. I mean, they had all this stuff uh, about it. And the history of it is pretty interesting, and I really have to get caught up myself. All right, so 
that's going to be fun. That's going to be a great thing for the National Football League and really great going into next season where you will not have any kind of lockout talk because, boy, does that get old in a big hurry on sports talk radio. So we'll have some problems solved here this offseason. Are you surprised they're able to get it done before the final year of the last deal? No, because they've been working on it. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you're, if you're, if there's so much animosity between the management council and the union, right. then they go for these long periods where they don't talk, they don't go to the table, they blast each other, which is the way it's been in the past. This time, Demar Smith, he kept quiet. Eric Winston, who'd done a tremendous job, can't be the president of the union anymore, but he did a great job. And the league, they kept quiet. You didn't see them blasting each other a lot like the last time. So uh, I think they've handled it very well, kind of like when Gene Upshaw was the head of the union and right. Paul Tagliabue was the president. They had a really good relationship. And so that I'm not surprised, and it's not done yet. It's We're expecting it to be done. But when you don't have to worry about the lockout in the last year of a union, a collective bargaining agreement, that is a big load off everybody's mind. Yeah, no question about that. And, you know, in, in terms of the surprised or happiness factor of their ability to get it done before the final year, two, three years ago, with all the media screaming about everything that was, quote, wrong with this league and you go with the safety issues and Kaepernick or whatever else, and I guess that's still going on, it just felt kind of iffy. It felt kind of iffy that it could get done. But I think around last year, or maybe it was about 18 months ago, you had a feeling of, this thing could possibly get done. They could possibly get it done early, and wouldn't that be something? Because I think a lot of people assumed four or five years ago that it would go into that ne- the last season and maybe beyond the last season, and we'd have the threat of missing games. Yeah, I don't ever think – I never thought they would miss games because of the lack of animosity factor. It looked like both sides were determined to get a deal done. Both sides have to give – so I was just listening too much to the media, perhaps. Yeah, I've said before, and I'll always say this, players should fought first and foremost for lifetime insurance, but the owners say that's impossible because it's too expensive, and even though all of them are making multiple billions, and, and that that's not something that figures into it. Okay, that doesn't figure into it. But what does figure into this program is we have a Texan signing from this week. We have other stuff going on around the AFC at AFC South. Let's get into it next with the general John McClain here on Texans All Access. Here we are on the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Mark Vandermeer and John McClain with you on Texans All Access. Okay, General, a couple of things to get to, including but not limited to the combine coming up next week. It is your 87th combine. No, it isn't. It's 77th. 77th combine. Here we go. We're going to Indianapolis and bigger, better, brighter than ever. Back in the early days, did you go watch the workouts or was it always about the interviews for you? No, they hate it. Well, when I first started going at Indy, mm-hmm. probably over 30 years ago, there were about five media people there. And the guy that ran the combine hated the media. He didn't want to help the media do anything. Duke Babb. And then the Paul Tagliabue took a lot of things under his auspices. Wait, 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 wait. Duke Babb? This is a name out of central casting. If, yeah. if Cameron Crowe were writing a, a movie about the Combine, the guy running the Combine would be named Duke Babb. It's perfect. What was the name of the agent that was Jerry Maguire's influence? It was like Dickie somebody. It was like perfect. Well, a bunch of them claimed that it was them. 
You know, Drew, oh. Drew Rosenhaus claimed it was him. Lee Steinberg claimed it was him. Star oh, the, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, what'd you say? I, the agent that influenced Jerry. Oh, that influenced. Yeah, the, yeah, the older guy. I can't remember his name. I'll look I it can't up. remember. Yeah. Okay, let's. Uh, we go to the combine. Um, the way it used to be, players would come out, you just grab them, and then when Paul Tagliabue brought in a lot of things under his auspices. Mm -hmm. including NFL properties, he sent a PR guy to the combine. He said, see what, see if you can help the media. And so that started them. There was for like, by then it was like 10 of us. Now there's a couple thousand. And there's set interviews in the media room. It's changed considerably for the better. And one of the things that I hate is this year on Tuesday, usually, as you know, they spread out coaches and general managers and mix them in on different days with the players. On Tuesday, we have every coach and GM, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers. It'll be a nightmare. It's going to be crazy. For that day. And mm -hmm. then after that day, it's not going to be boring, but it's like a hurricane's coming through, and then it's it'll fizzle, fizzle out. Why do it like this? I don't know. I do not know. Well, you know why? They do the breakfast like this, too, at the owners' meetings, right? They've got a one day for everybody. Yeah. Yep. Just to knock it out. They're going to do one day for everybody just to knock this out. But there's no way. I mean... There's no way the media can handle all this in no. one day. You have to pick and choose. And what I'm eager about the combine is the positions that the Texans need. Mm -hmm. And we all know the Texans need corners. They'd love to get another pass rusher, especially if it was an inside guy. And But to me, the need at corner is so great mm -hmm. that that second pick is going to have to be a corner. Now, I have a column going Sunday about the answer to the Texans, anything people want them to do on offense in the draft or free agency, not just average more points with Will Fuller, but I've got stats where they ranked in scoring with and without him, where they ranked in passing with and without him in yards. The only thing they ranked with more yards was rushing. But he had such an impact. The record, 8-3, and 2-3. and two and three. And so keep Will Fuller healthy. Well, I don't think we could expect that. And last year there were so many top receivers drafted after the first round. Yeah. Uh, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, uh, McCole Hardman. There's I got like ten of them, and I've never seen a season ever like that. So maybe that Bill O'Brien, the GM, can find a receiver with the kind of speed that impacts a game the way Will Fuller does. That's be, easier said than done because it it's, it's not just the speed, right? And Kenny, no, you got to be able to run routes and all and that. And he but, does well. And he's improved. But think if A.J. Brown, who was a second-round pick, or D.J. Metcalf yeah. was able to replace Will Fuller. It's a different kind of player, and but I get what you're saying. It's the last because Kenny Stills, last year of his contract, Kiki QT was a disappointment. We don't know where he stands, but they, like last year, O'Brien insisted Kenny Stills be part of the trade because he had to have some insurance about Fuller, and that worked out really well. Yeah. Well, now he's got to have somebody because truth is Fuller and Stills could be gone after this year because if Fuller continues to get hurt a lot and they get somebody else, they may just throw up their hands. But I think uh, it's going to be hard. There's so many good receivers yeah. that when it comes to the second round, the, the corners are not as good as the receivers. And it might be really tempting to take one. And, of course, it depends on what they do in free agency. Well, I think, obviously, yeah, that's going to 
play a big part of that. What do you think about this? You go into free agency. What if you don't have extensions with Watson, Tunsil, or Cunningham, and you're tempted to go out and spend some big bucks on, a, say, a corner and an inside rusher? And then what if you spend so much money you don't have money to sign those extensions with those players? I don't think he'll be left like that. They're, they're going to have to hold a gigantic slot for both of those guys and take it right up to wherever their personal deadline is. And maybe it goes into the season. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking about it, but that is so crucial, especially Tunsil. I mean, I should say especially Watson too, because if you think about it economically, and I'm no genius with this stuff, but the longer you wait with Deshaun, the more expensive it gets. You know, it's kind of like that old Monty Python show, Stop the Film, where they're bribing somebody and the dollar count is going up and they, they it's a it's a film about them. Anyway, it's a similar thing. The, the meter is running right now. The longer you wait, the higher the price gets. And you're wondering, well, how high can it go? Look, he's a tremendous quarterback. It, Pat, Pat Mahomes, for instance, is going to be the highest paid player in the history of the league, right? And this is not saying much because the next guy to get a contract might be higher than him, although I don't think so at the quarterback position. I think whatever he does, the next guy, whether it's Watson or whoever, will be a, just a little hair below him. And I think everybody would agree, including the agent for the next guy, that that's probably a fair thing. Am I right? Yes. Okay, good. I just wanted to be clear on that. Yeah, I'm sure that Watson's not going to try to be paid more than Mahomes. Right. I mean, I think that's, I don't want to say unreasonable, uh, because you never know with quarterback contracts. I mean, at, at one point, I mean, the list is long of quarterbacks who have had the richest contract in quarterback history, right? Maybe not for long, like Matthew Stafford had the title for a minute. Kirk Cousins had the title for a minute annually, right? And there are a few others that made your head scratch, made you scratch your head a little bit. But Mahomes, I think everybody agrees, okay. He deserves it. But let's go here because the quarterback market is very interesting. It's kind of a buyer's market, really. When you think about teams that need quarterbacks, not that it's easy to get one of these guys, but if Brady and Breeze are really in play, and they're probably not. Well, let's Breeze be is not anymore. Okay. But what about Brady? What about he, Brady, John? If he doesn't sign with New England, and if Phillip Rivers is there, and Cam mm -hmm. Newton, and Marcus Mariota, and Jameis Winston, and Derek Carr, in case Derek Carr, of course, if if they were to sign Brady, then he's available, and that's a lot of veteran quarterbacks. Teddy Bridgewater was five and zero last year. It's an unprecedented market of veteran quarterbacks, and some are might want to wait until this new CBA goes into effect so they could get even more for their client. Well, Derek Carr. If the Raiders are going to go for Brady, they got to move Derek Carr. What's the market like for Derek Carr? Can't be that great. No, of course not. Again, it's a buyer's market. I mean, if you want Derek Carr, you can get him on the cheap relatively. You would think. Yeah. And if you want Brady, what's he going to cost? If you're the Raiders, if you're the Colts, if you're whoever, and you're trying to go get – if you're New England, is he going to go back to New England for a discount? No, he wants gigantic money, I would imagine. Hey, where's my balloon payment at the end of my career? Mortgage is due. Let's go. Would you pay him $35, 40000000 million a year? I wouldn't. Uh, if I'm who? Age. Who am I? Well, say you're the Raiders and you think that he'll help you. Because the Raiders don't need a big-name quarterback to sell tickets. The one that needs Brady the most is the Chargers. Right. Their offensive line's awful. And I can't imagine Brady would subject himself to a poor offensive line. Colts. That couldn't protect anybody. I think the Colts are going to get Rivers, so Rivers and Frank Reich can be reunited. Oh, Interesting point. And then they'll use their first pick on a fast receiver like Henry Ruggs the third to go with T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell, all of them running the four threes. 
Well, John Harris was asking me, would I, in Tennessee, for instance, would I rather see Rivers or Tannehill or Brady? Of those three, as a Texan, which would I rather see? I'm saying Tannehill. Well, I don't want to see Rivers or and, Brady. And you're going to see Tannehill. There's other guys who are not. He doesn't hit the market? No. They're going to get Ryan Tannehill signed. Or they'll tag him. Or they'll tag him. Yeah. Well, that'd be nice for Tannehill, though. Him and Derrick Henry. If I'm Tannehill, I'm fine being tagged. I mean, I'd rather get the contract, I get it, but that's going to be a lot of money. I think you'll end up with like a three-year deal. So Brady has got New England. I don't think Indianapolis and the Raiders. Mark Davis might offer him some preposterous deal like he did John Gruden. Okay. An unprecedented deal so he can hang out with him. And then uh, <laughs> Rivers goes to be reunited with Frank Reich behind a great offensive line with a good tight end, good receivers, and a good running back. And that, if I'm Brady, I'm trying to go there. I'm saying, pick me, pick me over Rivers. What does New England do if Brady leaves? I read it in, well, first of all, I saw a thing. Their longtime media people think that he will resign there. Mm-hmm. But there was a thing that they, their second year quarterback, Jared Stidham, that remember Tom Brady was a, didn't do squat as a rookie, and then he had yeah. to play the second year, and the rest is history. That they like Jared Stidham a lot. It could be Stidham with sign of another veteran to come in there like Mariota. Here's the problem. I mean, maybe Stidham is that guy. But you don't know until you know. No, I mean, you got to see it. And it didn't, for Brady, happen right away. I mean, the leadership was there. They were winning games. They had a really good team, great defense. You look at guys like Brady and Roethlisberger really early in their career, go look at the numbers. And the numbers got a lot better as they played more. And that doesn't happen with everybody. So uh, be careful what you ask for in New England. And then there's Patrick Mahomes in his second season. It, well, there, his real first season playing. I mean, you got that no, no, one appearance. Second season. Yeah, I, that's uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. So you that, think, that is not, the, of course, that's the exception. Yes. You think Tannehill hit, doesn't hit the market? He gets no. signed before the year begins. I do. All right. A lot and, of these people are going to sign. I keep seeing these lists of unrestricted free agents, and yeah. they all start with guys who are not going anywhere. Well, but you, that's is according to you, and they are project. They are projected is the wrong word. They are in line to hit the market. But they won't hit the market if they re-sign with their I current teams. I won't do one of those lists till we get to till we see who gets re-signed. Okay, you're wasting space. Let's bring it in the building. Brandon Dunn signs an extension with the Houston Texans. A lot the of people go, well, they re-signed Brandon Dunn. Does that mean they've given up on DJ Reader? No, they haven't given up on DJ. They just haven't been able to sign him. Right. They tried to sign him last off season, during the season, after the season, and DJ's a nose tackle. He's not a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Nose tackles don't get paid monster bucks, but He's so valuable. He's such a good guy. I think J.J. Watt start crying if D.J. Reader left. Watt loves Reader, and so do all the players. So do the media. We, I, you know, but I hate it when they don't, when they're good talkers leave. So I got to think they're bringing D.J. back. Okay. They got the money to do it because if you let him go, Brandon Dunn's not stepping in there to be a regular starter, and then you got to go find somebody else. Right, and maybe they would. And, you know, look, they've got Blackson. If they had to line up this week, for instance, without Reader. Then yeah. Dunn's playing. Nose. You have a, you have he Dunn. started on the nose 10 games when J.J. was out. Right, you have Dunn, J.J., Blackson, Amenahu. You've got guys. Like, they've got all their guys back, but they need to get better. Right, they need to get better. But that's a position group that looks pretty solid. I hesitate to say even without Reader, you're a whole lot better with Reader. 
And I'm not saying this is a reason not to sign Reader because he's a really good player. You'd love to have him. But I think they'll look at it. Well, I don't know of this for sure, but they'll look at it as we have other needs. Like in their hierarchy of needs, John, where is re-signing DJ Reader versus some other things that they they feel they might need? And again, not that that means you wouldn't take care of that on the D-line, but they have some other needs as well. I mean, they want to add to the pass rush, I would think. Uh, they better start with cornerback and already mentioned yeah. wide receiver. Truth is, they don't have a lot of needs on offense. Mm-hmm. Assuming Carlos Hyde is going to be re-signed, they've tried to sign him. It hadn't worked. Tried to sign Darren Fells. They got four tight ends. But of the guys on the team of with 19 unrestricted free agents, I think Reader is at the top of the list. I don't expect Roby back, but I, I think Reader will be. And I think they'll try to re-sign our graves if they take less money. They didn't want to pick up a fifth-year option for $10 million for him. That was a financial deal. And uh, so I, th- I think that, that they're not going to have any contract issues they don't want to have. They don't lose a lot of guys that they're dying to keep. Mm-hmm. Let me go full-on media speculation with you. Do you think Bill O'Brien makes a trade before the draft of any kind? Before oh, the draft. I, I, there's a reason he's named Trader Bill. <laughs> you if, named him that. Yeah. If you go back, I have people wondering why I call him that. They don't remember Trader Jack mm-hmm. and uh, baseball lore. And I think People are asking you about this? Yeah. I have, uh, based on what we saw Bill O'Brien do so far, all those trades he's made, I'd be shocked if he's not trading right, at least during the draft, to turn what should be eight picks after compensatory picks into more picks. And also, I think he'll be aggressive in free agency. Now, I don't think he's going to sign anybody to a record contract, but I think he's going to spend some money. Okay, now a couple of minutes left. I know that we're going to Indy next week and Florida the next month for the owners' meetings in West Palm or Palm Beach. At the breakers. I'll be down between those for another trip to Florida. I'm going to West Palm. Well, you went last week. I'm going to see the Astros. Oh, yeah. You're not allowed to say the name. No, you are allowed to say the name. But what about Little Leagues not not using the name Astros? Look, this is is tough. I know in this market it's it's unfathomable. But in other markets, that name has really taken a few dents in this whole ordeal. I think the Astros – are going to face what's been unprecedented in baseball history. They're going to have to have extra security in their dugout, around their dugout. I think there's going to be fights on the field. I think fans are going to be getting fights in stadiums, including Minute Maid Park when loudmouths come in from other teams. And it's going to be exciting to watch. And you hope if you're an Astros fan, they kick some serious butt and shut people up. I mean, if their name is banned in this country for Little League, you already have the Rockets banned in China. You have the Astros banned in the United States. Hey, the Texans, we're not banned. Not banned. That's the new slogan for 2020. Not banned. Yeah, we're, we're not banned <laughs> we're legal. anywhere. We're legal. I mean. Yeah, but, get Jamie Roots to have that yeah, as the uh, catchphrase. I don't think that's going to catch on, really. But, you know, it's, uh, it's really weird. It's a weird time in Houston sports history. With those- and all the teams are good. That's another thing. It's not like if they're all bad, nobody would care about the Astros. But all the teams are still good. They're competitive, and that's what makes it even more interesting. I did say on the air last week that the Astros made it a bigger problem by actually winning the championship while this was going on. But but they lost it last year, lost four games at home. Yes, everybody still thinks they cheated. 
Yeah, well, you know, you, you bring that. Out, you lose four games at home, and if you're cheating, what do you think? They don't have a response. They were close games. They've been blamed <laughs> for everything. Yeah, it's true. They've been blamed global warming, and you know, but that's that's what happens when you know you're you're caught with one thing. A lot of things get brought in with that, and people don't give you a benefit of a doubt. The bottom anymore. line, Mark, and you know it, they brought it on themselves. You don't yeah. do that. We're not going through any of this. Right, exactly. John, what do you have going on in the Chronicle? I've got uh, Aaron Wilson, and I have a po- two podcasts on the Texans in our mock draft, and we have in our third mock draft the Texans taking in this one. We try to change it around for need position every week. I have a chat on uh, TexasSportsNation.com. I have a story about how June Jones influenced Patrick Mahomes' career. And then I'll have a column Sunday on the Texans offense. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you, General. Thank you very much, Mark. There's John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. John Harris coming up next. And there's going to be a historical precedent next year at a certain Texans game. We'll get to that, among other things, on Texans All Access. It's been a chilly Thursday, but it's nice and warm here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio and hopefully in your car or wherever you're listening right now. Mark Vandermeer with you with John Harris in studio. Johnny, how are you? I'm doing well, Mark. I have been, oh, man, I have been in the Harris 100 all day long. Oh, your I'm brain like is the, fried. I am in the thicket. I am just. Wait, how how oh. close are we to having this thing? Uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> I just. I mean, Mark, I should show you. What number are you on? <laughs> it well, doesn't go I, like I that, kinda, does it? I kind of don't go in order. I'm but... on 52 and a half. No, I, I wish. I, I I try to watch positions mm-hmm. at a time because it's just easier because if you watch Joe Burrow and then you watch Tua Tungavailo right afterwards and you watch Jordan Love, you sort of have kind of a basis of comparison. Right. Like, okay, here's some of the things that but I But like you forget, Tua. don't you? Not forget, but you have to refresh your memory right. on certain oh, things. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if guys that have studied... And a lot of these guys I studied during the summer, but I wish I could show you what one of my, I just finished my Jordan Love report. Mm-hmm. I've just finished the written part of it, and it's enormous. Uh, it, I mean, it's like I, I just kept going. I kept going. Wait, I don't, mean, don't these have to be uniform and they got to fit in a box sort no, of I, thing? They're capsules. Uh, here are my Justin Herbert, and you're going to need your glasses for this. Oh, jeez. But these are my Justin Herbert and Jordan Love ones. I'll show you. And you can just. Oh, my gosh. Those you wrote just, the Magna Carta. I know. Those oh, are, gosh. But that's the way you have to do it. If you see things on film, you put it this down. It's like 2,000 words on each guy. Yeah, pretty much. So I'm, oh. I'm kind of in the thicket. So <laughs> I'm trying to, oh I'm trying to my. work my way out. Of, I'm trying to work my way out of the weeds. Yeah. And, and get get to a point where it can be ready after the combine my, my goal has been and is a week after the combine that it'll be ready to at least i'd be ready for me to submit it mm-hmm. so hopefully uh probably around march 8th march 9th somewhere around that time because okay. i want to update with all the combine times and then you've got a hundred and uh, how many 120 players that declared early so you're getting official measurements on them boy for the that's first a lot time. of players it's a lot of guys I mean, when you think that's a four lot. rounds of players declaring early yep. and you know there are going to be some broken hearts in that group oh there's no question i mean no matter what i mean oh i thought it was gonna be a first round or you go in the fourth round and then you got those guys that are like oh i'm going in the second round that they don't get drafted yeah so it's, I, they it, they have to have self-aware of self-awareness and good advice from people and look i know that some of those guys some might not be on target for graduation exactly and they're mm-hmm. thinking well i gotta get whatever i can right now yep. it's time to come out and try to be a professional football yep. player and play 
however long I can. Maybe I can go back and get my degree. Maybe I don't. I don't know. But this is the time to be a pro. And I just think it's a tough job. It's a tough sport because other sports, you're able to turn pro earlier in life. Yes. You know, you could be a golfer, soccer player, whatever. You can turn pro. Yep. Uh, not that it's easy there either, but uh, it's it's not allowed in the National Football League yep. until three years after your high school cl- class graduates. Uh, quick thoughts before I get to that Texans history making moment this upcoming season. Your thoughts on 17 games. We've talked about this a lot. Seven playoff teams per conference. If this does indeed go through, I do like this. I think it's good for the league. 17 games to me still feels like a lot, but if you cut down on preseason and reduce the wear and tear, and who knows what they do with the rosters, I do think it's a better deal. Yeah. For I, the fans. Yeah, I think it's going to be I mean, to have a third playoff game. I mean, you think about it in 09 and 2014. I saw somebody post that in 14, I think we would have played the, the Broncos mm. at Denver, which would have been interesting because the Colts went to Denver and beat Denver in that divisional round after the after the bye week. Uh-huh. That was not a great that was not a great Denver team. And would have been Case Keenum starting at Denver. How about that? For the Houston Texans oh, in the playoffs. I would roll the dice in 2014 with Case. Why not? He played well in those yeah. last two games, especially against the Heck Ravens. Yeah. So to have an additional playoff game, I think is going to be fun. Look, is it going to be perfect? No. How about 09? But 09, uh, who do we have played? I forgot. I saw this. Because San Diego, I think. All right. I think and, it was, and it was San Diego. I think it was San Diego that we would have played. And Matt Schaub. And you know San what? Diego. That would have been, that team could have gone on a little something there. Heck yeah, could have. It because got hot at the right time. They got hot. They had a defense that was 13th in the league with Mario, D'Amico, Brian Cushing as a yep. rookie, smoking hot. Yep. And Matt Schaub playing well. Arian Foster just burst out of the scene. Nobody would have wanted to Shani see the Texans. Will calling plays? Oh, yeah, that's Little right. Those Shani Cohn plays would have been. That would have been interesting. And would, I like how Florio was very quick to point out, with this new format, last decade, you have no losing teams making it. I saw somebody's tweet, and I can't remember who it was. I wish I could give credit. You're not getting a bunch of seven and nines in there. <laughs> but he said, well, it'd have to be eight and nine now. <laughs> he said, oh boy. He, he basically was recounting a conversation mm-hmm. like, hey, congratulations, number two seed, 13 and four team. You're going to get a visit from the 8 and 9 Jets, 1 o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> I, just, I, I cracked up, but, it, you know, it would have been it would have been interesting uh, to see what would have happened. Boy, these records, you know, it's kind of like with college football. We're used to it now with the 12-game yeah. season. We're, we have gotten used to 12, but we for have. a long time it was 11 games. and then 6 and 5, winning season. That yeah, was it. Exactly. You know? It's like, you get the 6 wins. You Wait a second. You get the 6 wins now. You 500, 500 record. Yeah. So it, it's a it's a little different. We'll we'll adjust. You know, we're too yeah. young to remember, or maybe we weren't born yet, for the fourteen game season yeah. in the National Football League. You know, yeah. now you have sixteen. I I felt very Brock Osweilery and saying National Football League that way. Yeah. I know I say it sometimes, but it just felt that way. Well, sometimes it's for emphasis, and I'm yes. sure that's why Brock did it as well, was to emphasize it is hard to win games in the National Football League. Right. He was yeah. trying to emphasize things. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm all about more football. I don't. I, don't, yeah. I mean, but I'm not. I'm not playing the games. I'm curious to hear from the guys when they get back. Well, look, you're going to reduce the preseason. You're going to add to the regular season. That, from a fan perspective, is and gold, Jerry. One of the things I heard Mike Garofalo talking about in this new CBA is that, and and this he he was not saying this was gospel, but he was saying this is what he had heard from multiple channels, mm-hmm. i.e., multiple people that knew what the was it what is in the proposed 
term sheet that they're going to send to the players was that training camp would have a longer acclimation period, which in Houston I think is massively important. Before hitting. Right. So that would mean what that means is you would have now, – now I think there's two days. You have to go mm-hmm. two days without pads. This, it sounds like you'd go five days without pads. I know who, I know one individual in this building who's not going to be a fan of that one. Yes. And then apparently they're going to reduce the hitting at training camp as well, which my point to Again, that was not a fan. Right. My point to that was, well, when are you going to hit? Yeah. Because you're not hitting during the season. Uh, you have plenty of time to hit, Johnny. When? Yeah, plenty of time. If you're in training camp and you're practicing once a day, what are the college rules? Colleges are different. It's funny. You know, Johnny Perry's brother, James, is the head coach at Brown. Right. And the Ivy League has sort of been at the forefront of this non-contact thing. Mm-hmm. So we were at a dinner with, with James, his brother, who's the head coach now at Brown, and we were asking about um, hitting in right. practice. And he said, nope. He said, we don't even – don't do it ever. Don't like, do it. Wait, what? He's like, we don't hit ever. Ever. I was like, Wow! They wait till game day to hit. They wait till game day to hit. He's and I and I I looked at him Gosh. and I was like, I was like, Coach, how, so how do you? And he said, Look, it's the it's the rule. It's the way that we go about it. It's what we have, even in camp. And what I loved about what he said was, Yeah, he said, This I will never use as an excuse. Mm-hmm. This will never be an excuse. Everybody's for in us. the same boat. Everybody's in the same boat, but they do not. But if you are hit. a more physical team, if physicality, for lack of a better word, is your thing right. or would be your thing, I think it's tougher. I think it's tougher. Very, oh, very you know, much if so. you're a high pollutant, so. high powered, high flying offense and you're wonderfully right. finessed at throwing the football, right. you're going to have a big advantage in this situation. Right. Look, remember the Pro Bowl, the thud, the wrap up. We yeah. were talking about this. Yeah. This is where the, I'm not saying the league is going to thud, right. but it's going more toward thud than the other way. Dick Butkus with the bloody uniform. It's not going in that direction. Anyway, the um, the historic moment, <laughs> we might have to get to it tomorrow. I think you and Drew might have talked about it, but the fact that you'll have all three head coaches of this yep. franchise in the building at once, is kind of, it's neat. That's, Dom Capers, yeah. Gary Kubiak for the Vikings, Kubiak's the offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien for the Texans, and they've all faced each other. There's been a big round robin yeah, we can yeah. get into some of the matchups, but I think that's notable. I think it's pretty cool to have them all in the, in the same building. Um, I wonder if they'll get a picture before the game. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm going to ask Johnny, and we'll see if they do it. I think it. it'd be pretty cool, to be honest. It'd be pretty cool. All right, tomorrow we'll have more of this stuff. I'm sure there are going to be developments every step of the way. So thanks for listening tonight. Don't forget, Texans 360, ABC 13, Saturday night at what time? 11 p.m. And we'll be back on tomorrow night at 6 on Texans All Access. Go Texans!